Monsoon actually is a very beautiful time. It rains a lot. When I was young, I didn't like it. Because in summertime, we used to play football. And not only the rains used to spoil the games, but it used to make the field completely muddy. And the balls became soaked in water and became very heavy. So anyway, but when I grew up, somehow I began to like, because the rainy season, the monsoon, the rain, has some effect in you. I don't know whether you have noticed it. It kind of, kind of makes you, forces you to go within yourself. A bright sunshine, beautiful weather makes you go out. And rainy weather makes you go in. And as a devotee, you like to go inside, don't you? <laughs> as I said, it makes you introverted. Anyway, everything is beautiful. In Srimad Bhagavatam, Krishna gives a very beautiful, I mean, Vasudev gives a very beautiful description of monsoon, rainy season. Krishna danced his rasa dance in Sharat. In India there are six seasons, unlike four in the West. In the four, summer, autumn, winter, spring. But in India, the two extra seasons. One is monsoon and the other is Sharat. Although Srila Prabhupada translated Sharat as autumn, but Sharat is not really autumn. Actually, in Indian calculation, Himant is autumn. And Sharat is the season <coughs> between monsoon and Himant. And as it has been described in Srimad Bhagavatam, Monsoon, it rains, and as a result of the rain, everything gets cleansed. But that cleansing makes things dirty, in the sense apparently dirty. Like the water bodies become muddy. And 
the land become mucky. Uh, and but then, uh, when the sky is bereft of the cloud, it becomes blue sky. Only some scattered cotton wool like cotton wool like cloud just floats, and uh, the sunshine at that time is very beautiful. It takes a golden hue. And at that time, uh, that uh, so this Sarat actually, this monsoon and Sharat in Bhagavatam has been compared to um, the first aspect is monsoon is cleansing of our heart. And after the when the heart becomes clean, then in that uh, heart Krishna. In a purified heart, Krishna appears. And there Krishna performs his rasa dance. It's a full moon night of Sharat. In Gopi Gita also there is a very beautiful description of Sharat. Sharodudashai Sadhujata Sat Sarusijo Daro. Shri Mushadrisha Suratanathate Shulkadashika Barada Nignato Neha King Bhatta. Krishna's beauty has been compared to the beautiful lotus that blooms in Sharad season. Sharadu Udashai, in the Sharad, the water body becomes very clean. And Sarasijo Daru, Sarasijo means the lotus. Sri Mushatrisha, your face is as looks as, or is even more beautiful than the fully bloomed lotus that appears in the completely cleansed what lake of in the solid season when the whole sky becomes so clear and uh, so <clears throat> the main point is the Krishna con the process of Krishna consciousness is a process of cleansing our hearts. It's a matter of cleansing our hearts. When our heart is cleansed, then only Krishna will appear. It's not a matter of Krishna will appear. Krishna is always there. Krishna is there in our hearts. As the super soul, he is there. But due to the dirt in our hearts, we are not able to see him. And the dirt is, uh, as I mentioned earlier, the dirt is false ego. Dirt is our material entanglement. Dirt is our uh, desire to enjoy this material nature. The dirt is our desire for sense gratification. So that's why Krishna consciousness reverses that process. 
instead of trying to gratify our senses, the way is to please Krishna's senses. The desire for gratifying our senses is causing our material entanglement. Or our material entanglement is causing the desire for gratifying our senses. But Krishna consciousness rectifies that process. And it's not that when we become Krishna conscious, we don't have any gratification or pleasure of the senses. That's the real way to please the senses. When we try to gratify our senses without Krishna, then that causes the distress. But when you do it with Krishna in the center or Krishna in a Krishna conscious way, then our senses become truly pleased. And Prabhupada gives such beautiful examples regarding that. We are parts and parcels of Krishna. Just as, what is the meaning of the part and parcel? Just like this little finger is a part of my body. So we can say this body, this finger is a part and parcel of this body. Now, if the finger tries to enjoy by itself, what are the objects or ingredients of sense enjoyment? Say food. Uh, now, if this little finger uh, gets some food and he tries to enjoy the food, will he be able to enjoy it? <laughs> By taste, touching it, uh, fiddling around with it. But when the finger is a part of this body, as a part of this hand, uh, takes the food and offered it, offers it to the mouth, uh, then the mouth, after tasting it, puts it down to the stomach. And when it goes to the stomach, then the whole body is nourished. So when the mouth is tasting, when the tongue is tasting the food, the finger also is enjoying. As a part it is enjoying. When the stomach gets the food, the whole body is nourished, then the finger also is nourished. So that is the way to really enjoy. What you speak of the finger, even if the hand keeps the food and fiddles around with it, will the feel Will the hand be able to enjoy it? No. The way to enjoy it is to give it to the stomach, through the mouth. So, <clears throat> similarly, we as parts and parcels of Krishna should provide for Krishna's enjoyment. And when Krishna is pleased, when Krishna is pleased, then we all will become satisfied. 
So these are simple common sense examples that Prabhupada gave. And it's so easy to understand the context. Another example Prabhupada gives is of the root of the tree. The branches and twigs and leaves, that the parts of the tree. Now watering that, those branches and the twigs and the leaves, will they be able to enjoy? No. But when the water is put in the root, then the whole tree is satisfied. And that satisfaction cannot be measured by how a leaf may feel when some water falls on it. So similarly, our sense gratification through the body, we cannot really appreciate or conceive like what kind of joy comes through Krishna consciousness. Only thing is that uh, we have to become purified. Why is it so important to become purified? Because through our purified consciousness only, we'll be able to appreciate true enjoyment. Now let's go back to Bhagavad Gita. <laughs> I thought in context of Bhagavad Gita, I'll tell you an incident which is actually revealing the teachings of Sri Chaitanya. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu actually came to give the essence of the Vedas. Vedas are vast and in the Vedas many different activities have been prescribed. Many different goals also have been pointed out. But it has also been said that unless and until one understands the Vedas in totality, one will not be able to understand the purpose of the Vedas. Like people do get confused with so many different branches of Vedas. And so many different, uh, like the Vedas, the knowers of the Vedas. Uh, in India there are uh, the, caste, the class of Brahmanas uh, who has been identified according to, their title indicates that they are the knower of one Veda, there are no one of two Vedas and so forth. Uh, are you familiar with Vedis? Uh, Vedis. And then there is Dvivedis. Uh, in common words in Bihar they call Dube. Uh, and three Vedis. Chatur Vedis. Uh, so these are the knowers of different Vedas. There are different classes of Brahmanas. Knower of one Veda, knower of two Vedas. The family line is of uh, determined in this way. But from Srimad Bhagavatam, unless we understand that, unless and until we understand the totality of the Veda, uh, we won't be able to appreciate the essence the purpose, the meaning. And that ultimate meaning has been presented in Srimad Bhagavatam. 
and Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has revealed it. No dubes, uh, chobes, <laughs> the understanding. Uh, that understanding comes to the dasanudasas, uh, those who have become the servant of the servant of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teachings have been summarized in this way. Uh, and Aradha Bhagavan Brajeshwatanai. The Supreme uh, Worshipable Lord is Krishna, the son of Nanda Maharaj. Aradha Bhagavan, Brajeshwatanai, and Stadhamo Vrindavanam. His abode is, his dham is Vrindavan. Ramma Kachi Dupashana, Brajavatu Bargena Jakalpita. The way the Brajavatus, the cowherd damsels, worshipped him, that is the highest form of worship. Srimad Bhagavatam Pramanam Amalam. The spotless Puran, Srimad Bhagavatam, is the Praman, the proof. Because the Vedic understanding must be substantiated with the scriptural evidence. Where do we get the evidence of this statement of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu? Srimad Bhagavatam, the spotless Puran. Srimad Bhagavatam Pramanam Amalam. Prema Pumartha Mahan. <clears throat> to achieve what is the ultimate goal of life? To achieve Krishna Prem. Prema Pumartha Mahan. And Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu Matamidam Tatradaranapala. This is the teachings of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. This is the conclusion of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teachings and tatra adara accepted uh, wholeheartedly. Napara, there is no need to accept anything else. So that is uh, the thing, the essence of the Vedas have been presented by Sri Chaitanya In this way also we can consider the essence of the Vedas have been presented in two ways. Because there are two branches of the Vedas. Two streams, I won't say branches. I'll say two streams through which the Vedic wisdom is flowing. One branch of wisdom, one stream of wisdom is Upanishad. And the other stream of Upanishad is Puran. The essence of the Upanishad is Bhagavad Gita. And essence of the Puran is Srimad Bhagavata. So that's why Prabhupada put so much importance on these two books. And Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu also, his teachings are based on Bhagavad Gita and Srimad Bhagavata. Because these are the essence of the Vedas. How? Look at this description of Bhagavad Gita. 
ಸರ್ವಸರ್ವೋಪನಿಷದು ಗಾಬೋ ದುಗ್ಧ ಗೋಪಾಲನಂದನ ಪತ್ಸ ಪಾರ್ಥ ಸುಧಿರ್ಭೋಕ್ತ ದುಗ್ಧಂಗೀತಾಮೃತ ಮಹತ್ ಸರ್ವ ಉಪನಿಷದು ಗಾಬೋ ಆಲ್ ದ ಉಪನಿಷದ್ ಹ್ಯಾವ್ ಬಿನ್ ಕಂಪೇರ್ ಟು ಅ ಖಾವ್ ಸರ್ವ ಉಪನಿಷದು ಗಾಬೋ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ದುಗ್ಧ ದುಗ್ಧ ಮೀನ್ಸ್ the one who milked the cow who who milked the cow gopalanandana gopis the gopalanandana krishna dogdha gopalanandana the cow gives the milk for the sake of the calf who is the calf arjun is the cow batsa partha now cow gives the milk who drinks the milk sudhir bhokta cow gives the milk does the calf drink drink all the milk no who drinks the milk the human being now this particular milk of bhagavad gita who drinks it how many of you are drinking this milk very good you all are the real intelligent people. that's a bhagavad gita that's gita mahatma is saying ಸುಧೀರ್ ಭೋಕ್ತ ಸು ಮೀನ್ಸ್ ಸುಂದರ್ ಬ್ಯೂಟಿಫುಲ್ ಧೀ ಮೀನ್ಸ್ ಇಂಟೆಲಿಜೆನ್ಸ್ ದೋಸ್ ಹ್ಯಾವ್ ಬಿನ್ ಎಂಡೌಡ್ ವಿತ್ ಬ್ಯೂಟಿಫುಲ್ ಇಂಟೆಲಿಜೆನ್ಸ್ ಆರ್ ಎನ್ ಅಡ್ವಾನ್ಸ್ಡ್ ಇಂಟೆಲಿಜೆನ್ಸ್ ದೇ ಡ್ರಿಂಕ್ ದಿಸ್ ಪರ್ಟಿಕ್ಯುಲರ್ ಮಿಲ್ಕ್ ಸುಧೀರ್ ಭೋಕ್ತ dugdham and what is the milk gitamritam the nectarian instruction of bhagavad gita right so you got the essence of uh, vedas in the upanishad stream therefore gita is considered to be an upanishad gita upanishad gita upanishad and there is another stream puran so in the purana stream like see nigama kalpa tarur galitam phalam the vedas have been compared to kalpa taru kalpa taru means desire desire can fulfill all desires is there a tree like that or is it a fairy tale yes there is a tree like that in the spiritual world there is a tree and even in this one, heavenly planet there is a desire tree but they supply material things these desire trees in the heavenly planet can fulfill material desires nigama kalputarur now the the tree that fulfills all desires can fulfill all desires <coughs> can you imagine what will be the fruit of the tree like and galitam and that fruit is very beautifully ripe very beautifully ripe fruit galitam phalam and then that fruit ripened fruit of the desire tree has been blended with the nectar from supadeva swami's mouth 
सुखमुखाद अमृत द्रव समझूता सो यू सी इन द पुरान ब्रांच व्हाट इज पीवत भागवतम रसमालयम दैट इज श्रीमद भागवतम विच इज द सोर्स ऑफ ऑल द ट्रांसेंडेंटल मेलोज द मेलोज आर फॉर मेन फॉर एंजॉयमेंट इट इज थ्रू द मेलोज दैट वी एंजॉय नाउ श्रीमद भागवतम इज द सोर्स ऑफ ऑल So Shrimad Bhagavatam is the source of all enjoyment. Now Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teachings have been very beautifully presented uh, through a discussion between Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Ramananda Roy. So I'll briefly discuss that. So that will give us an understanding how. Uh, step by step we are going into the higher and the highest understanding and bhagavad gita is included in that and there we see that bhagavad gita's conclusion is not the ultimate bhagavad gita is taking us to shrimad bhagavat bhagavad gita is helping uh, just like uh, you go to uh, primary school now the primary school education is the highest no or is the school education highest no after school you go to college so bhagavad gita is leading us uh, to that higher branch of knowledge shrimad bhagavat bhagavad gita krishna is uh, saying सर्वधर्मान परित्यज्य मामेकम शरण ब्रज राइट सर्वधर्मान परित्यज्य गिविंग अप ऑल योर सो कॉल्ड ड्यूटीज धर्मान गिविंग अप ऑल दोज ड्यूटीज मामेकम सरेंडर ओनली आर टू मे मामेकम शरण ब्रज एंड अहम त्वांग सर्व पापेभ्यो मोक्ष ईश्यामी महासुचर I'll deliver you from all your sinful reactions. Don't worry about that. So Krishna is leading us to the point of surrender. But is the surrender everything? Actually, surrender is the beginning. This surrender is leading to love. So love is the goal. Point example. The son comes back home after rejecting the father. <clears throat> He returns to the father and comes and falls at the father and says, "Please forgive me. I am surrendering myself." <coughs> Then what do you think the father will do? Uh, the loving father will pick him up and uh, in his loving embrace. so that loving embrace is uh, the exchanging factor so bhagavad gita is leading to that loving relationship with the supreme god and that is that's why it's the beginning surrender is the beginning sharanagati mamekam sharanam praja so krishna then 
takes him into his loving embrace. Then a loving relationship develops between the father and son. Loving embrace develops between the friends. Loving embrace develops between the lover and the beloved. So, <clears throat> so that is the uh, ultimate goal. Developing that loving relationship. So, uh, as I mentioned, uh, this discussion between Ramananda Roy and Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. How many of you know about that incident? Let's see. How many of you know who is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu? <laughs> Good. How many of you know who is Ramananda Roy? Okay. Ramananda Roy is one of the very, very intimate associate of Sri. Ramananda Rai was the governor of South India. Those days a good part of South India was under King Prataprutra's kingdom. And Ramananda Rai was the governor of uh, that area. Uh, just next to Orissa is Andhra Pradesh. So Ramananda Rai was actually the governor of today's Andhra Pradesh. And Ramananda Rai was a great devotee of Krishna. Now Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's different associates of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu were different associates of Krishna. Like we know who is Nityananda Prabhu, who is Gadadhar Pandit Prabhu? Who is Ramananda Rai? <laughs> Ramananda Rai is Vishakha. Vishakha Devi. Actually, uh, anyway, let's not go into the complications. <laughs> like, let's understand that Ramananda Rai is Vishakha from Krishna's pastimes, a very intimate friend. Radharani. Radha Krishna's, Radha two most intimate associates are Lalita and Vishakha. So Sarukdamadar Goswami is Lalita and Ramananda Rai is Vishakha. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu after taking sannyas when he came to Orissa, Jagannath Puri, then Saloma Bhattacharya, who was a great, great scholar, he became his devotee. Saloma Bhattacharya initially did not accept Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Rather, he was worried about this young sannyasi. He felt that this sannyasi may fall down. And for, for a sannyasi to fall down is like, like worse than death. So he was very worried about this young sannyasi. Because first of all, he's young, only 24 years old. 
Why did you take Sanna so early? Then he was so handsome. And then he's not at all serious. <coughs> he's so frivolous. Sanasi should be grave and won't speak to anybody and uh, move around with a heavy face. <laughs> but he is chanting and dancing and how will he be able to maintain his sannas? So Ramananda, I mean sorry, Sarvam Bhattacharya thought that he would give him the understanding of the Vedanta. And by understanding Vedanta, he will be able to maintain his sannas. Vedanta means, so aham, I am he, I am Brahman, and this world is Maya. This world is unreal, it's bitta. Uh, this world is just false. And Brahma Satya, so we'll be situated in Brahma. Aham Brahma has me, now I have become Brahman. So uh, that will be Mayavadi understanding that Sabhama Bhattacharya was maintaining. So Sabhama Bhattacharya's brother-in-law was Gopinath Acharya. Now Gopinath Acharya knew about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu from Navadip. So when he heard Sarvam Bhattacharya expressing such feeling about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he told him that, uh, no, uh, he is not an ordinary person, he is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Sarvam Bhattacharya said, well, Sarvam, Supreme Personality of Godhead, I can't accept. I can accept him as a great person, you know, Mahapurusha, great saintly person, but not the Supreme Personality of God. So they used to have big arguments among themselves. And Gopinath Acharya used to blast him that you are so unfortunate that although the Lord has come in front of you, you are not able to recognize. And I'm not surprised because it's only by the mercy of the Lord one can recognize the Lord. Krishna was standing in front of Durjatan. Did Durjatan recognize him? So in this way he was trying to point out to him. I mean, big arguments. And then Sarvam Bhattacharya at one point told him that I will teach him Vedanta and he will. I'll fix him up. So when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu heard that, and he heard about this this disagreement between Ram, uh, uh, Gopinath Acharya and Sarvam Bhattacharya, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu told Gopinath Acharya, that, let it be, he's my well-wisher. So he's my well-wisher, he's wishing me well to fix me up properly in Sarnas order. So let him, I will listen to him. I'll, te- I'll accept teachings from him. So Sarvam Bhattacharya started to teach Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. For seven days he taught him Vedanta Sutra. And for seven days Chaitanya Mahaprabhu kept on listening without saying anything. 
So Sarvam Bhattacharya began to wonder, does he understand what I am saying? Because he is not saying yes or no or uh, doesn't have any question, just sitting there. So he asked Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Krishna Chaitanya, do you understand what I am saying? So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu replied, I understand the sutras of Vedanta. Vedanta Sutras I am understanding, but your explanation I do not understand. <laughs> he said, what's that? Like the explanation is to clarify the meanings of the Sutra, and you say you understand the Sutra but doesn't, don't understand the Bhashya explanation. Then Chaitanya Mahaprabhu told him, your Bhashya is not clarifying the meaning of the Sutra. Your Bhashya is covering the meaning. Just as the cloud covers the sun. The sun is effulgent. Sun is giving out the light. Sun everybody can see. But uh, your explanation like cloud is covering this. He became very upset. That this twin, he was recognized as the greatest scholar of India at that time. But now, uh, a 24-year-old boy is teaching him what is what. <laughs> so he had his pride completely shattered. Not shattered as yet, he was angry. <coughs> so he asked, what do you mean? What is the, uh, you say you understand the sutra. What is that? So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu just presented one verse from Srimad That verse is Atma Ramascha Munayo Nirgrantha Api Purukrame Purvanti Ahitukim Bhakti Itham Bhuta Gunahani. So he wanted Ramananda Sabam Bhattacharya to explain that verse. The meaning of the verse is that Atma Ramascha Munayo, the sages, who are Atmaram, that means who are enjoying in their uh, spiritual self. Nirgrantha, they are free from all material attachments. They are free from all material attachments and that's why they are enjoying within the self Kurbanti Ahaitukin Bhakti. They become engaged in devotional service to Krishna. So you are saying the goal of life is to reach that stage of Atmaram stage. That means Brahma realization is realization of the self and enjoying in that which is known as Brahmananda. So those who are situated in Brahmananda after becoming free from all material bondage Nirgrantha Kurvanti Ahaitukin Bhakti unto Krishna Purukram. They render unconditional devotional service unto Krishna. So Sarvam Bhattacharya is stuck. He is saying 
in a way he is saying that to reach that Atmaram stage is the goal of life. To achieve Brahmananda is the goal of life. But those who have achieved Brahmananda, we see that those saintly personalities become engaged in devotional service. Why? So, in this way, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu pointed out that the devotional service is beyond uh, Brahmananda speech, Atmaram speech. So, Sagam Bhattacharya is defeated by a 24-year-old boy. But then something wonderful happened. Uh, he was naturally a very proud person. He was respected as the greatest scholar of Vedanta philosophy of that time. And now he has been defeated. So he went into his room and locked himself up. Uh, just couldn't tolerate this defeat. But at that night, at the dead of the night, he saw Chaitanya Mahaprabhu standing. In his displaying himself in the six armed forms. The four arms of Narayan holding conch, disc, lotus, and mess. And in two other arms, he is holding the danda the and commandalu, the, the sannas danda and the water pot. And then he saw him in his six arms, with two arms, holding the bow and arrow of Lord Ramchandra, with other two arms holding the flute of Krishna Chandra, and the other two hands holding the, the sannas danda, danda of a sannasi, and the water pot of a sannasi. So in this way he saw that this is the personality who, has, who appeared as Ramchandra, who appeared as Krishna Chandra, now he is appearing as Sri Gaurachandra. So then Sarvam Bhattacharya offered hundred prayers to Chaitanya The first verse goes like Vairagya Vidya Nija Bhakti Yoga, Shikhartha Meka Purusha Purana, Shri Krishna Chaitanya Sharira Dhari, Kripam Buddhi Jastamaha Prabhupada. Vairagya Vidya Nija Bhakti Yoga, Shikhartha Meka Purusha Purana. Purusha Purana means the Supreme Personality of God. Shikhartham in order to teach. Vairagya Vidya, the science of renunciation, which is Nijabhakti Yogam, which is his own devotion. devotion. His own devotional service. So, in order to teach his own devotional service, which is the process of renunciation by the He has appeared now, Sri Krishna Chaitanya Sharirodhani. That personality has now appeared as Sri Krishna Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. 
and Kripam Prabhupati, the one who is an ocean of mercy, Kripam Buddhi. Stamaham Prabhupati, to him I am So this is how Sarvam Bhattacharya became a devotee of Krishna. Although initially he didn't want to accept Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as the Supreme Personality of So Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, in this way, Sarvam Bhattacharya accepted Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu also bestowed his mercy upon Sarvam Bhattacharya. Sarvam Bhattacharya told Chaitanya Mahaprabhu about Ramananda Roy because he recalled that this Ramananda Roy was such a great devotee. But those days he couldn't recognize him because as an impersonalist he didn't recognize the greatness of a devotee. But later on he was, after becoming a devotee himself, he recognized what a great devotee Ramananda Rai was. So he told Chaitanya Mahaprabhu that when you go to South India, there is Ramananda Rai, please meet him. So when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was traveling to South India, one day he was sitting on the bank of the Godavari River. And at that time he saw a, a royal personality came surrounded by many, many associates, Brahmanas chanting the mantra. And he came to take bath in Godavari. So after taking his bath, when he he just saw Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was sitting there. So both of them uh, recognized each other. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu recognized that this must be Ramananda Rai. And Ramananda Rai recognized this must be Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu about whom I heard so much. And they embraced each other. Now for a sannyasi to embrace a materialistic person like a governor was not a dull thing those days. Like probably remember Chaitanya Mahaprabhu didn't want to see King Prataprudra. He even said that it's better to stay with a bunch of serpents in a cave than better to live with some serpents than meet the king. That is how dangerous the association of materialistic person was. Now people then, he saw, people then saw how the sannasi is embracing this governor and the governor is also embracing the sannasi. So <clears throat> Ramananda Rai realized that this is not the right environment to meet him. So he said out he would come back again. So this time Ramananda Rai came alone with just one companion. Brahmana. He came to meet Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu started to ask him questions. And through this question answers, this principle had been established. 
So Raman Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's question to Ramananda Rai was, what's the goal of life? So Ramananda answered, the goal of life is to follow the Varnashram Dharma. Because Varnashram Dharma is the foundation of Vedic culture. Therefore he is starting from Varnashram. Because that is the society according to the Vedic structure must follow the Varnashram. The human society must be divided into four classes. Proper human society must be divided into four classes. And these distinctions of four different classes have been established by Krishna himself. And he quoted a verse to substantiate them. The verse that he recited was, Varnashramacharobhata Purushena Parakuman Vishnur Aradhate Pantha Nainantatoshakarana Varnashramacharobhata Purushena Parakuman To follow the Varnashram system for Varnas and for Ashrams. The society is divided by four Varnas. And the human life has been divided by four ashrams. Brahman, Kshatriya, Vaishya, Shudra, these four varnas, and Brahmachari, Grihastha, Banaprastha, and Sannas, the four orders of life. But Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, no, that's external. Because that is not uh, that is what he meant is that is a material consideration, materialistic consideration, Varnashram system. Then Ramananda Roy said, uh, Karma Yoga is the goal of life. And he substantiated that statement with uh, a verse from the scripture, Bhagavad Gita. Jat Karosi Jadasnasi, Jadjuhasi, Dadasi, Jad, Jad Tapushoshi Kaunteya, Tatkurushamadarpanam. Jad Karosi, whatever you do, Jad Asnasi, whatever you eat, Jadjuhasi, whatever you offer in sacrifice, Dadasi, Jad, whatever you give in charity. Jatapushoshi, whatever austerity you perform. Tatkurusha, Mother Upanam. Krishna is telling that you offer that to me. But Chaitanya Mahaprabhu rejected that. That's also external. Ihobachu, Agi Kokua. Then Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Ramananda Roy quoted a verse of Bhagavad Gita. Sarva dharmana parintajya mami kam sharanam vajya ahantvang sarva papibhya mokshayishyami masuja. Did Chaitanya Mahaprabhu accept that? Yes. He rejected that also. That's why I was saying that's not the ultimate. This is just 
a platform to go to Srimad Bhagavatam, devotional service. Then Chaitanya, then Ramananda Roy quoted uh, a verse uh, speaking about Jnana Yoga. Karma Yoga, rejection of karma, then Jnana. Brahma Bhuta Prasannatma Na Sochati Na Kamshati Sama Sarveshu Bhuteshu Mat Bhutin Lavate Para Did Chaitanya Mahaprabhu accept that? Uh, although it says Mat Bhutin Lavate Para uh, achieves my bhakti at that stage, but Mahaprabhu did not accept that. Mat Bhutin Lavate, although it's speaking about devotional service. Then at that point, Ramananda Roy went beyond Bhagavad Gita. And he quoted the verse from Srimad Bhagavad. Beyond uh, Jnana Yoga, he is coming to uh, pure devotion. Annabhilashita Shunnam. Jnana karmad anapritam. Anukullena krishnanu shilanam. So that is the pure devotional service. No desire, no other desire besides serving Krishna and pleasing Krishna. Annabhilashitam shunnam. Jnana karmad anapritam, becoming free from uh, the coverings. Jnana and karma has been compared to contaminations or covering. Jnana karmad anapritam. Karma leads to sense gratification, bhukti. Jnana leads to liberation. So pure devotion is beyond bhukti, and beyond mukti, shuddha bhakti, jnana karmad anabhritam, anukullena krishna bhakti He quoted another verse in that respect. What is uttam bhakti, a pure devotional service? Sthane sthitva shuti Being situated wherever one is, following the injunctions of the scriptures, when one renders devotional service unto Krishna, then Krishna, who is ajita, inconquerable, unconquerable, jito pito istridakka, he can be conquered. So at that point, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu accepted. Iho bhai, agi Yeah, that's right. That's okay. That's right. Tell me beyond that. Then he gradually spoke about, anyway, I can briefly discuss about that also. What is beyond that? Um, he spoke about Shantara, devotional service in neutrality. Mahaprabhu accepted. Yes, that's right. Tell me what is beyond that. He spoke about devotional service in servitorship. He said, yes, that's right. What is beyond that? Devotional service in parental love. I'm sorry, devotional service in friendship. Sakya Yes, 
What is beyond that? Devotional service in parental love. What is beyond that? Devotional service in conjugal love. Yes, that's right. But what is beyond that? Ramachandra said, I didn't know anyone who could ask what's beyond that. <laughs> but if you bless me, if you empower me, then maybe I'll be able to answer. And so, he pointed out that in the conjugal relationship, Krishna was dancing with 16,000 gopis. And when one gopi, okay, before that, he was dancing with 16,000 gopis, but in the center, there was, in the circles, there was one Krishna between the gopis. But in the center, one Krishna was dancing with one gopi. So that gopi must be very special. So when that gopi left the Rasamandali, Krishna also left all 16,000 gopis and went after him. So that gopi must be very special. And in this way, <coughs> Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, through Ramananda Rai, established that, as I mentioned, Ramma Kachi Dupashana Brajabodhuvargena The way the cowherd themselves worshipped him, that's the highest form of worship. And now it's going even further. Among all the gopis, there is one particular gopi who is very dear to Krishna. So who is that? Srimati so this is how, through his discussion with Ramananda Rai, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu established the highest goal of life. Now does it mean that we become, we try to take the position of Radharani? No. We try to become the servant of the servant of Srimati Radharani. Thank you all very much. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. Gold Premanande. Does anybody have any question? Yes, she has a question. This is just This is just a question. Do you know the verse as you mentioned from the Srimad Bhagavatam? What verse is it from the Srimad Bhagavatam if you want to quote it to somebody? Which one? The Anya Vilas. No, that is not from Bhagavatam. Okay. That verse is not from Bhagavatam verse is actually the next one that I said. Which one? Sthane Stitva Shruti Gata. Yes. Which one? Do you know which verse it is? You have to check up which one. Okay. Look at the index. 1048. 1048. Wow. Thank you. Anna Vilashida Sunnam is quoted in Nectar Devotion, but do you remember the source of that? Do we have to purify our consciousness? Is our consciousness already pure? What's that? Do we have to purify our consciousness? Or is our consciousness already pure? Do we purify the consciousness with? Or, or is it already pure? Do we have to purify it? Or is it all? Because the consciousness is coming from the soul. 
So is the consciousness already pure, or, or do we have to purify it? Consciousness is coming from the soul. In the material context, is not pure. Our body consciousness is not pure. It's a bit, it's contaminated consciousness. The consciousness becomes pure only when it becomes Krishna conscious. Ah, you get the point. At the point when our consciousness is projected through the body and is being identifying oneself with the body, that is not purified consciousness. Although consciousness is there, it's impure consciousness, contaminated consciousness. So that's why there is a need to purify it. And the way to purify it is by being Krishna conscious. Okay. Thank you, Guru Maharaj. Guru Maharaj, the two um, verses that you recited to depict that um, Bhagavad Gita is the essence of Upanishad. It's uh, Upanishad, Kavod, Dogda, Gopalan. Um, what is the reference for that, Guru Maharaj? It is Gita Mahatmya. And the one, the essence of, that Srimad Bhagavatam is the essence of the Puranas. That's the third Nigama. verse. Third verse of the first canto, first chapter. And Guru Maharaj, I was uh, wondering, yesterday we spoke about um, sati, which is, um, you know, um, condoned by Vedic culture. And then this morning we were talking about how Duryodhana wanted to commit suicide, which is not condoned. So I was wondering about when somebody fasts to death, is it condoned in Vedic? Because I think in Canto 7 or 9, there's a personality who fasted to death. I can't yeah. remember. Well, you can see that Parikshit Maharaj did that. But that we have to see that it's a preparation. And there is a difference between this kind of way to approach death than just going under a wheel of a car and just giving so there is a difference, like that kind of sudden death uh, doesn't lead to a higher destination, rather keeps one into a subtle body in a ghost form. So, so when one, somebody um, decides to fast um, unto death, it has to be done according to Vedic injunction and sanctification? The question is how many can do that? Fast and to death, <laughs> like after two days. <laughs> I think there was, there was a personality that um, was trying to do it, but then meditating. That's one example actually is there not fasting unto death, but walking unto death. That's in the Pakistan. That's, that's the Pandavas. Yes. Uh, and Alamitropati. Yes. They walked and walked and walked. I mean, not stopping, not drinking, not eating and just until the body fell. And that, that leads me to my next question. Can you imagine what kind of determination it needs? What, and this determination comes from what kind of love they have for Krishna. Anyway, all those things are not meant for this age. This age business is chant Hare Krishna. And dance in ecstasy and honor Krishna Prashad. <laughs> 
So that is why, that's the difference between third, Karma Yoga in third chapter, Karma Yoga in fifth chapter. Thank you. I have one small one. Uh, in, the, in the battle of Mahabharata, the battle conches were sounded before Gita was spoken? Yeah, the conch shell was blown. So, so battle had commenced. What stopped the, the Kauravas? That we have to understand that Krishna expanded the time in such a way that in a moment Arjun received the Bhagavad Gita. Can Krishna do that? Uh, Krishna can expand time and Krishna can also contract place. Right? Or uh, like in that respect, there is a two very beautiful examples. You know, <clears throat> in winter, Badrinarayan from from Badrinath, it becomes completely covered with snow, and so he comes down to Joshimat for the six four months or six months of winter. So one old man whose dream was to go to Badrinath, to have the darshan of Badrinath. But because he's old, it took him a long time to come. So he arrived there at a time when Badrinath, Badrinath is going down to, he's leaving Badrinath. So this man felt that I'm so old and this is somehow I managed to come here. I'll never be able to come here. So let me just stay here. And so everyone was asking him, what are you doing here? He said, no, I won't stay. I just, I'll stay here. I won't go anywhere. He said, you know, this whole place will be covered with snow. There won't be anything, anybody here. Then the hungry wolves will come and you'll be in trouble. He said, nothing doing, I'm not going to go. So everyone left. It was already night. And he all of a sudden saw one horseman, one person on the horseback came. And he said, what are you doing here? And he told what happened. So he asked him, what are you doing here? So he said, I lost my way. So anyway, so now that both of us are here, let's spend the night together. So he pulled out a dice and said, let's play dice. And this is the whole night was spent. And in the morning, they heard the sound of Kirtan. And then they noticed that Badrinarayan is coming back. So everyone is surprised, what happened? We're still alive. And he said, what happened? You left just the last yesterday and you all are back. So who is that? So then he told them and they started to look for the horseman. They couldn't find him. So who was that person on the horseback? And he 
contracted time. Six months was contracted into one night. Can Krishna do that? Okay. Now Krishna dealing with space. Another story. <laughs> Krishna dealing with space. There's an old man, he was blind. And his desire was to go to Vrindavan. So <clears throat> he heard that some villagers are going to Vrindavan. So he requested, can you please take me? Because uh, that's the, I cannot uh, otherwise go there myself. So they all very generously said, yes, you can come. But after a while, they felt that this man is a burden. He is pacing, he is stifling their space, their pace. They can't move so fast because of him. So they told them, hey, you stay here, on our way back we'll take you. Take you home. And don't, you know, like, he said, well, what will you go do going to Vrindavan? because you won't be able to see anything. So that man, you know, already he was depending upon their mercy, so he just agreed. Then when he was sitting there, all of a sudden one boy came and said, who are you? I've never seen you here. So he told him that I'm from such and such village and I was going to Vrindavan, my companion, <coughs> they left me behind. So he said, oh, you want to go to Vrindavan? Come. I will, I know a shortcut to Vrindavan. <laughs> so he uh, guided that blind man. And when he arrived there, at that time, his village people also arrived. They were surprised, how did you come here? He said, one boy, he told me that he knew some shortcut to Vrindavan, <laughs> and he brought me. So they also, uh, who is that young boy, who is that boy? They couldn't find him. Uh, so this is how Krishna uh, shortens the space also. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, this is from yesterday. Uh, I'm asking this question on behalf of Nimobin, just rephrasing that question. She couldn't really explain it very well. It was regarding uh, when we, whenever we are chanting or whenever we are hearing Krishna Katha, we feel sleepy. So why is that? Is it the Yog Maya or Nindra Devi? Or... That, that was her question. She couldn't explain it properly. Okay. So okay. she wanted an answer for that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, when? Lord Ramchandra killed Kumbhakarna. Uh, Nidra Devi uh, complained to Ramchandra. You have killed my shelter. He was my only shelter. Uh, because Kumbhakarna used to stay for six months and stay for one day, stay awake for one day. So then Ramchandra told him, Okay, then wherever Bhagavad Katha will go on, you can go there. <laughs>
So, that's why we say that whenever someone is suffering from insomnia, we say go to his temple <laughs> and sit for the Bhagavatam. <laughs> One more question. It's my own question. Do we see criticism as, as an upright? It depends. The thing is, uh, like, there's a difference between criticism and correction. It should be, you know, whatever fault is there, defect is there, if it is done you know, for the sake of correcting, then it's but if it is to undermine that person or bring him down in the eyes of others, that is not good. What reaction do we get from doing that opera? That Jamraj will decide. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Maharaj, uh, <clears throat> I think yesterday you said uh, Towards the end of your first day of initiation, you felt sad that you could not offer any Dakshina to Srila Prabhupada. And then Prabhupada said, you offered yourself to me, and that was the greatest Dakshina. So, what does offering oneself to spiritual master mean for a Grihastha? Yeah, what do you understand from that instruction of Srila Prabhupada? What is the real offering? <coughs> Yeah, well, I mean, some money no. collected or offering oneself. So, the ultimate offering is the offering of the self. Can you expand that on for that? Expand that for how does it apply to your Kurnasta? And, like, in terms of is well, make the best out of a bad bargain. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you may, be, may not be able to offer fully, but try to offer as much as possible. So that's the difference between brahmacharis and sannyasis and agrihastas. Grihastas are torn between their family life and devotional service. The, but the best thing is, recognize that your griha is Krishna's griha, that your family is Krishna's family. And in this way, you stay in the Grihastrashram. And that is the way to act in Grihastrashram. Thank you, Maharaj. Hare Krishna Maharaj. I'm not sure if I will be able to frame the question properly, but we were discussing this two days back, I think. So the question is that we, we are supposed to have complete faith in the process, in Krishna and in Prabhupada. And then as Vaishnavas, we also are meant to be humble. So, uh, you know, when people, when we talk amongst devotees that, you know, um, we will go back to Godhead and then one will say, no, 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 I'm not qualified. But none of us are qualified. But then isn't it our faith in Prabhupada where Prabhupada has said that, you know, you just follow what I am saying and I will take you back. So, it's confusing. Mm. Yeah, our business is not to worry about where we'll go. 
Our business is how we are going to serve. What's the point in going back to Godhead and not rendering devotional service? <laughs> On the other hand, if you're rendering devotional service here, is it back, isn't it back to Godhead already? So? My question is then, you know, when we say this, are we in some way uh, kind of denying the faith in, in Prabhupada? Anyway, don't speak about it. Don't say it. I'll go back to Godhead. It's, you know, like if that is what you are saying, that some say, I'll go back to Godhead. That at a neophyte stage, at an early stage of devotion, one may think that way. But at an advanced stage, his attitude changes. Because liberation is not our goal. Devotion is our goal. So liberation we are not interested. Like it is said, huh? liberation has been compared to going to hell. Koivalla Narakayati. Therefore devotees are not interested in liberation. <coughs> Because liberation also becomes a kind of sense gratification. To, to free myself from my suffering condition is a kind of sense gratification. Therefore, devotee's attitude is Marubi Rakhovi Kito Janamoho Let me be born as an insect in association of devotees. But Bohir Mukho Brahma Janme I don't want to have the position of Lord Brahma if it is devoid of association of devotees. Or if it is averse to Krishna consciousness. Okay, answers your question? Yes, thank you. You mentioned uh, Lord Chaitanya. What does that mean? Is that, does it relate to ISKCON devotees or what is that process? It remain unfinished. <clears throat> yeah, okay, I'll give you that uh, the situation when Prabhupada said that. You see, uh, I used to be with Srila Prabhupada from 12 o'clock to 2 o'clock every night. Like different. In Vrindavan, during this In Vrindavan, when Prabhupada was in Vrindavan. Like, one of us used to be with Prabhupada all the time. Like Upendra Prabhu used to be from 10 to 12, then I used to be from 12 to... No, sometimes actually Bhaktisar Damodar Maharaj used to be from 10 to 12. Or it used to change sometimes. Some, if Upendra was tired, then Bhaktisar Damodar Maharaj came. And my shift was from 12 to 2. And uh, so one night, and most often time Prabhupada couldn't sleep. So one night Prabhupada was 
not able to sleep, so and he was actually lamenting that he his health is so bad and he has so much to do. And so I tried to console Srila Prabhupada, saying, Prabhupada, what you have done is beyond anyone's imagination. So you should not think that anything is left to be done. You should actually relax. So that time Prabhupada mentioned that what I have done is the 50% and the other 50% is to establish Varnashram. And then he started to explain and that not that everybody will become a devotee. Those who won't become devotees, for them we need Varnashram. And then he explained how the structure of the society needs Varnashram. To, to, to establish Krishna consciousness, to establish Vedic culture, there is a need to structure the society and that structure is Varnashram. Like, as Prabhupada mentioned, the not that everybody will become a devotee. So those who won't become devotees, then what? What about them? They have to be structured, they have to be situated according to Varnashram system, meaning according to their propensities, according to their modes. Good mode of goodness, those who are in mode of goodness, they will be Brahmana. Those who are in mode of passion, they will be Kshatriya. Those who are in mixed mode of passion and ignorance, they will be Vaishyas. And those who are in ignorance, they will be Sudra. So in this way, the society is going to be structured. This is how the world is going to be structured, according to the Vedic understanding. Can you imagine what a massive work it is? Uh, Prabhupada is not, was not talking about Varnashram in some small little village. Iskon is saying, this is your Kshatriya, your Brahman, and so on. No. Uh, what Prabhupada was indicating, the structure of society. Thank you. Yes, do you have a question, Govinda? Krishna Govinda? No. Oh, yes. Ramesh Prabhu has a question. <coughs> oh, Ramesh, where have been hiding? <laughs> Guru Mahat, then you can't see if I'm going to sleep. Guru Mahat, you know, I'm just following up with the question. Did uh, Srila Prabhupada ever lament about that he wasn't able to uh, structure the Grahastha ashram or, uh, you know, give proper instruction on to Grahastha ashram? No, that was not so much of a consideration. Because, you see, in that respect, Prabhupada's concern actually was that what will be, what we have to do with those who won't take to Krishna consciousness, not that everybody will become a devotee, but those who don't won't become devotees, those who will become devotees, Rihastha, Banaprastha, doesn't matter. Because they are devotees, they are another category altogether. 
But those who own become devotees, for them we need Varnashram to structure them. Uh, you know, because, uh, you know, long time back, you know, uh, with Khandadi Prabhu, you know, he, he said, that, uh, you know, because during Srila Prabhupada's time, most of the devotees were brahmacharis, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, he, he really didn't have enough time to, uh, to devote onto how the grass, the ashram should be, and, you know, yeah, yeah, that is true, that is true, but that is our internal problem, right? Like, ISKCON has to become prepared to take care of the householders, because we faced a massive damage in our society, massive loss, when the brahmacharis became householders. During that time, as you mentioned, like, practically all of us were brahmacharis. But then the devotees started to get married. And see, as they were, when they were brahmacharis, it was not difficult to maintain them. But the society faced a massive challenge to maintain the householders. And as a result of that, you know, we lost them. Like, you know, they had to fend for themselves to maintain their families. And uh, but then, you know, like, I mean, that is the challenge that we are still facing, actually. It, today it's okay, you know, most of the householders are out, congregation devotees, they're working. And, but the challenge is, you know, when a full-time devotee, brahmachari, gets married, you know, how to maintain them? And, and for the, you know, ultimately it has come to that, you know. Like, we need a social structure. Right? Just temples. See, temples run with donations, mostly. But with donations, you cannot really maintain the householders. Because we are seeing, like, you know, donors <laughs> complain. Huh? And they kind of become very critical at times. Because they see, when they see that they are giving the money and this money is being according to them, is not being meant in, utilized properly. So that is a thing, challenge. So that, you know, like we have to face that challenge and rectify that situation. Yeah, no, because, uh, you know, at the manner, this, this has been a constant discussion between yeah, us. Right, yeah. And it is natural, you know, that's why, you know, we have to create our financial base and, you know, uh, our farm community is proper thought that the farm community would be the answer. But the thing is, you know, in today's world, today's situation, farm, farming is not a way, like, you know that, you know, we are involved in New Mayapur, yeah. where they have so much land. And we tried to do the farming. Same thing we did also in Australia. I was not involved in Australia. Like they had huge pieces of land. But, you know, they couldn't. Because in France, I I had my experience. The amount it costed to produce a kilo of wheat 
was cheaper to buy from the market. Uh, it was cheaper to buy from outside than grow our own food. And also what they were earning was not enough that way. Uh, it was easier for them to go out and sell paintings uh, than maintain themselves. So anyway, I mean, you know, like these are the challenges, as you were saying, there's a constant discussion. And the thing is, you know, like, uh, you know, the world situation has to be rectified. Like now, you know, mechanization is making farming and also like, you know, cow milk products, another source of income should be for us. But you know, we can't compete with them because when they're sending the cows, dry cows, to the slaughterhouses. And something is happening, like in Gita Nagari, they are making ahimsa milk, that the cows that won't be sent to the slaughterhouses. But that milk is three times or four times more expensive than the milk in the market. And, you know, House of the Community is supporting that. So, you know, things like that, their effort is being made. But I don't know, but in, in that sense, Bhaktivedanta Manor is in a very fortunate situation. I mean, you have so much source of income in so many different sources. But other temples, you know, they don't really have that kind of resources. Still we struggle. I mean, that's the thing, that's what I meant. I mean, if Bhaktivedanta Manor is struggling, so what to speak of other places, you know? So while we are talking of other places, I'm just making an announcement. Do you mind, Guru Maharaj? Uh, yeah. Because you know, I'm collecting some funds for the tem temple for Croatia. So I'm requesting everybody. My pocket is very light still. So please, please come and fill it up. Because you know, by tomorrow I want to present whatever we collect to Guru Maharaj to give to Croatia temple. Uh, yeah. Anyway, maybe we also needed another. Uh, discussion with you. Actually, uh, should I do it now or should I leave it for doing this discussing? When we, the, when we meet in the afternoon? Yeah, when we meet in the afternoon. Okay, Guru Maharaj. Yeah. But anyway, please, whatever you can do. Now, Guru Maharaj, I request from quite a few people. We haven't heard any bhajans from you. Yeah, we, we decided. We'll do it this evening. Thank you, Guru Maharaj. We'll do it this evening. And we'll have some song copies. We'll have some song copies. Uh, yeah, I have been already told that uh, you uh, wanted us to sing some bhajan. Uh, um, you know how like other religions, like Muslims or I don't know, um, that they think that their God is like highest. And I don't know for sure, but it might say in the scriptures or their books. Or how do we know? How do we know for sure that um, Lord Krishna is like the highest God? Like they might. Yeah. Okay. You tell me how many gods are there? <coughs> huh? Do the Muslims have their God and Christians have their God, Jews have their God, and we have our God? 
Is it like that? Huh? Or God is the supreme. Now how many supreme can be there? Right. So how many gods can be there? One. So is the Hindu God different from Muslim God in the real sense? Huh? One God. So whom Muslims are calling Allah, Christians are calling God the Father, Jews are calling Jehovah, is the same person and we are calling him Krishna, is the same person. Now the difference here, in they do not give any understanding about who he is, what he looks like, what he does, where he stays. Do they give any understanding of that? Do they give the un understanding how Allah looks like? What Allah does? Where Allah stays? Do the Christians give any information where God the Father, what the God the Father looks like? No. Where does he stay? What does he do? Huh? Now in that respect we can remember Jesus actually said, I have much more to say, but you are not ready for that. Right? So now, when you come to ISKCON, we can say, if you want to know God, you can come to us. <laughs> we can tell you what he looks like, what he does, where he stays. And we can even give you his telephone number. <laughs> Right? <laughs> Thank you. Hare Krishna.